welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Grace Assembly of God Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. If you would like additional information, visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. What a great day to be in God's house, amen? Yeah, I have looked forward to the day, and I, just getting up this morning, I was so excited and just so glad to be part of what God's doing in all the world and in our uh, local, just our local community, and that we get to, um, during this Christmas season, we get to honor the Lord who first gave to us, praise His name. I want to share with you today a message on not holding back. Don't hold back. God put this theme in my heart a while ago during the COVID season. And the one thing I know about churches, one thing I know about moving forward in God, the one thing I know from having played some sports, the most dangerous time in the life of a church or a team or an organization or an individual is when we hold back and we start playing for safety to protect the ball rather than going forward. Someone has said that for the church of Jesus Christ, as long as we are willing to pray the price and pay the price, God empowers us to move His kingdom forward. And uh, today, Advent, uh, the theme is peace. And what Christmas is all about is that God so loved the world. Can someone say praise God? In the comments, would you put thank you God for loving us? So he loved the world so much that he gave his son Jesus Christ to die for our sins so that relationship could be restored with our heavenly father. And likewise, he calls you and me as the church of Jesus Christ to give so that others can find this precious eternal life. This Christmas in the Advent series, uh, during the Advent season, I was in the doctor's office the other day, uh, first time appointment there, and uh, I sincerely believe he's a Christian because the, the longer we talked, and he found out I was a pastor. And, um, but anyway, he, he was on crutches. He had busted up his leg. And that ensued a conversation. And um, just before he left, he walked over. And he leaned over on those crutches. And the big brace was up his leg. And he looked me right in the eye. I can still see those blue eyes about this far from me. We both had masks. Don't worry. And he said, Advent, it is glorious. God is in control. He said, we might think that we're in control, but God is in control. Can someone say amen? Amen. Just put in the comments, please. Let's affirm our faith. God is in control. Why did God send His Son? Why do we celebrate Advent? Well, today is peace. And this is what the Scripture declares is that Jesus Christ is our peace, that He came and preached peace through the cross, and He made peace available 
for you and for me with God. The Bible says this in Ephesians 2, 17 and 18, and He came and preached peace to you who were far off. How many can you can raise your hand with mine and say, Pastor Paul, at one time I was far from God. Can you raise your hand? Listen, and you and I are here today because He came. He left the riches of glory. He emptied Himself of all that He was. He took on Himself the form of a servant. He tabernacled among us. He came to a dark, hopeless world. And His object was to preach peace to you and to me who were far off. And then the writer went on to say, and through Him, because of Him, you and I now have access to one spirit in one spirit toward the Heavenly Father. Can someone say praise God? Now that's a mouthful. But the bottom line is He gave so that we can have life. I have a short video that we want to show. This is, uh, it, this is from the Bible U version. Um, it's the Bible project to read it through in a year. And, and coming up at the end of December, we're going to encourage you if you want to read through the Bible uh, what a tremendous thing. I, I read through the Bible once a year. I started when I was, I don't know, 15 or 16, and sometimes more than once a year. But the U version is really a gift. And so uh, we're going to see just, I don't know, maybe a minute and a half, two-minute video that brings all of Scripture together. Let's look at it. So in the Bible, the ideas of heaven and earth are ways of talking about God's space and our space. So I understand our space really well. We live here. There's trees, rivers, mountains. But my understanding of God's space gets a little fuzzy. And what we do get in the Bible are images trying to help us grasp God's space, which is basically inconceivable to us. So these are two very different types of spaces. Yes, they're, they're different in their nature. But here's what's really interesting is that in the Bible, these are not always separate spaces. So think of heaven and earth as like different dimensions that can overlap in the same exact space. So we talk a lot about going to heaven after we die, but this idea of heaven and earth overlapping, we don't talk a lot about that. Which is kind of crazy because the union of heaven and earth is what the story of the Bible is all about. How they were once fully united and then driven apart and about how God is bringing them back together once again. But we, we have to go back to a scene earlier on in Jesus' story where John the Baptist saw Jesus and said, Behold, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus isn't just talked about as being a temple. He's also talked about as being the temple sacrifice. Yeah, so, so the cross is now the place where Jesus absorbs sin to create a clean space that is not limited like animal sacrifices. Jesus' sacrifice has the power to keep spreading and spreading and reuniting more and more of heaven. All right. So, what I want to share with you from this, we're going to go to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through chapter 6, verse number 2. The first thing is this, is that God reached out to us because we couldn't reach out to God. He reached out to us. Paul wrote this, Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. 
please just say with me, Ministry of Reconciliation. Ministry of Reconciliation. Put reconciliation in the comments. That's our assignment as the followers of Jesus Christ. No one else can be a minister of reconciliation. God reached out to us, namely, that in God, Christ was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their wrongdoings against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. He initiated contact with us, his world, our world. Originally, heaven and earth were one place. How many understand that? That's what we saw. That's the story of God's word. There was peace in the family of God. And the family of God was ruined. Division came in the family. If you've ever had a period of bitterness or distress or watched your family be broken up because of selfishness, you know how painful that is. And you also know how difficult it is for warring factions in a family to initiate contact with one another, let alone the one who has been sinned against to expect them to initiate peace towards the person or persons who have sinned or trespassed against them. And so God through Jesus Christ purpose in all of Scripture and of everything He does is ultimately to unite His world with our world. And can someone say amen? Praise God. Bring up the first slide if you would, please. His world on the left is full of God's world. His realm, if you would, is full of presence. Goodness, justice, beauty. Our world, this world, ruled by, presently ruled by the ruler of darkness, sin, injustice, and ugliness. I'm so thankful for the cross of Jesus Christ that He comes and makes a space for us. Let's look at the next slide. Jesus Christ came, initiated contact. And then the next slide. Yes, peace. When Jesus emptied himself and came to this world, Paul wrote in Colossians 1.20, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross, in the video, remember the sacrifice of when Jesus came, he would, make us, he would make a clean space. And that's what God has done for us. The second thing I want to share with you this morning is that we are Christ's ambassadors. God has given to you and to me the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 20, and then 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 1 and 2. Verse 20 says this, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. 
Verse 21, it's not on the screen, but He made Him who knew no sin to be sin in our half so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Can someone say, thank you, Lord? Yes. The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And then Paul went on to write these words, and working together with Him. Would you repeat with me and put in the comments, working together with Him. Working together with Him. Some folks have the idea that church is where good people go. I tell you, no, that's not true. We're all sinners saved by grace. In fact, none of us are good except for the righteousness of God. In fact, God's Word says that this, that all of our own self-generated righteousness compared to the righteousness of God is as filthy rags in His sight. Some folks have the idea that sort of if I go to church, if I give so much, it's sort of like I'm paying God off the spiritual mafia so He'll leave me alone. How many know what I'm talking about? You can raise your hand. That doesn't mean that's you. So we have C and E Christians. Christmas and Easter. I'll just check in to let God sort of know I'm still interested in the club. Right? Church, this is why it's don't hold back in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, they were to write the people of God, put on their, on their hands and on their forehead their promises to God and God's Word as a signet signal to God and to each other that we are all in and that we are yours God and you're the center of our heart and you're the center of our universe that's why in the book of Revelation you see the number 666 and it where is it to go it's called the mark of the beast the enemy of our soul it's a symbol of on the forehead or on the hand it's a symbol that we declare our allegiance to a government, government that will arise, the Antichrist that will rule this world in a terrible period of tribulation and darkness. And the only way that you can survive is if you put 666, some iteration of it, on your forehead because in the Old Testament, what that meant was that we are the Lord's. I'll tell you, if I have to ever put 666 on my forehead, I'm going to take my chances. How about you? There's one God that holds my allegiance, and it's certainly not a government agency or one world ruler. Is there an amen in the house? Yeah, amen. Okay, a little tepid amen, but come on now, you better all be with me. Second Corinthians 6, 1 and 2. And working together with Him, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. What Paul was saying, some say we're saved by grace alone. How many know that? Grace and faith in Jesus Christ. How many know that? But the purpose of grace is not only salvation. It's that we would work together with God as ministers of the reconciliation in this world to expand the kingdom of God. Any price, any place, 
whatever it takes, that's where we'll go. For he says, at a favorable time, God says, I listen to you. I listen to you. And on a day of salvation, I helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. That's the charge. Can someone say, thank you, Lord? Oh, man, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Oh, can anyone tell I'm a little bit excited about this? Oh, yeah. This is the heartbeat of God. When we enter into working with Him, we enter from our realm into God's realm. And guess what happens when you come into and go into His realm or into His house? Guess what happens? We move from our capacities and our abilities and capabilities. We move by faith and the obedience of faith and acting now and we don't hold back. We go into God's realm and the blessings of God, but the faith of God, the forgiveness of God, the peace of God, the hope of God, the love of God, and the joy of the Lord becomes ours. Can someone say amen? Praise God. Yes. Praise God. Yes. So he said, don't receive the grace of God in vain, but working together with Him. Praise God. Let's show slide four. God making His appeal through us. And so, that's the cross of Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, as the Father have sent me, even so send I you to go. To go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples, teaching them everything that I've commanded you and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I'm with you always to the end of the world. And church, I want to say this, and people today... Jesus is with us always in a good way when we enter His realm, when we step outside of the realm of God. He's still with us because God is like the hound of heaven, but He's there to convict us and to draw us back. How many understand that? That's what God, thank God for that. Paul wrote that the grace of God listens and helps Jesus. Helps people find Jesus. God said, when you called, I listened. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. Now the urgency, today is the day of salvation. The urgency, I want to talk about that. It's the day of salvation. Act, act, act. I I don't look I've never looked at what 
God has asked me to do with resentment. Never. I've certainly looked at the price, but I've never looked at it with resentment. I've never wanted to hold back from God. Never, ever. I hear people supposed to be in full-time ministry. I think they get paid full-time. And, and please, I'm not knocking a lot of people, and this is only occasionally. But I hear about people talk about all they left to follow Jesus. Listen, we don't leave anything really to follow Jesus. Are you serious? Sin, ugliness, injustice to enter into his world so that we could become the righteousness of God and Christ Jesus? The only thing that well, anyway, so today is the day of salvation act. I want to read to you from the book of Samuel, and, and I was thinking about this, and I don't know anything that more clearly shows what I believe our day and the proper response is it. We could go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. Okay, I'm going to read to you. Um, this. This is David and Goliath. How many like David and Goliath? Oh my goodness. I was just a little kid and I, I remember up in Bangor, Maine they had a they, they used to have uh, really young people preaching the gospel and the, the arena was packed and it was like a boxing ring thing that they had and the guy was the kid was preaching he was, I mean, he was only 12 or 13, but God had a call in his life, a real anointing, and he preached about David and Goliath, and I just felt I was there with him. And I'll never forget when he told that story, and the giant came tumbling down, and he took the sword and cut off the enemy's head. Well, this is, this is the Word of God. 1 Samuel. Now the Philistines, I want you to notice every word in these few select verses we're going to read. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at Soko, which belonged to Judah. And they camped between Soko and Azekah in Ephes Damim. Now I just want to say, notice where did the enemy camp? In the territory that belonged to whom? The people of God. How bold an enemy. They strutted right up there. Church, I believe we live in a world today that is trying to flood this world and get rid, flush out the very presence of God and righteousness and biblical justice and that this world, this world, has drawn up the battle lines in the place that belongs to to God and to the kingdom of God and His church. Can someone say amen? If I would ask today, how many, when it comes to proclaiming our faith or telling someone we're a follower of Jesus Christ, we're now more scared than we've ever been before. We're afraid to speak up. We're afraid to Repeat what God's Word says. Because the enemy has drawn up in the territory that God has meant for the church to occupy. 
verse 3 and 4. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, while Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with a valley in between. Then a champion came out from the armies of the Philistine named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Okay, now you say, how, how, how big is that? He was nine foot six. How many know that's a big dude? I mean, that, that's bigger than Sasquatch. That's big. That's a big, hairy dude. His spear was a spear the size of a weaver's beam. Notice what he did. Then verse 10 and 11. Again, the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now, this is very clear from God's Word. The enemy of the people of God, this enemy, and the enemy of God and all that's righteous. Is now doing everything within their power to control the narrative of our world. How many understand that? Goliath stepped up. And said, just give me one man. This is how, these are the rules of combat. We're in your territory. And we're going to tell you how we're going to fight. And the advantage is all ours. So you send out what puny guy you have that's five foot ten, And we're going to fight. And if he beats me, we'll surrender. But if I beat you... You all will surrender. Now, who do you think was going to win that battle? But the king, the leader, allowed the enemy, the Philistines, to determine the narrative of their day. Someone has said, said to me that, I, that we just had a conversation, and he said about pastoring, he said, he said Paul, he said, sometimes... He said, pastoring requires that you make really hard calls. It's what leadership is about. It's about not holding back. It's about keeping the big picture in mind about why we gather together. It's about the church of Jesus Christ and being ministers of the reconciliation. We can't allow the enemy to determine the narrative. So in verse 26, so David, the shepherd boy, his dad said, take these cheeses and raisins and I don't know what all. Take all this food up to your brothers. They're, they're fighting. They weren't really fighting. They were standing still. And give them something to eat. They, in other words, they've been a long time up there. They must have run out of food. What they were doing, they're sitting up on the hillside afraid and greatly dismayed. And so David spoke to the men who were standing by him saying, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine 
that he should taunt the armies of the living God. Can someone say amen? Man, if I'm going to follow God and be a man of God, I want faith in my heart to rightly discern who is this uncircumphilistine? He might be nine foot six, but we serve the armies of the living God. Is there an amen in the house? I'm amen in the house. Praise God. Who is he to defy us? So, verse 36 and 37. Uh, David said, um, before we get there, he said, uh, he said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go out. I'm going to take him on. And his brother said, get out of here, you little snot. You're the youngest one in the family. What do you know about, you're not even old enough to be a warrior. All you're good for is being in the backside of the desert guarding the family's sheep herd. They had no idea what was going on the backside of the desert. And I want to encourage you today that as we follow Jesus Christ, there will be times that you're going through the backside of the desert. God is at work. Can someone say amen? God is at work. God is at work. And what God is doing in you and me does not depend upon what other people see. This world measures things differently than the God of heaven. Can someone say amen? God was at work. What was God doing? They weren't even aware of it. That Samuel the prophet had come. His brothers had forgotten that when God said to Samuel, go to this house where David was and all of his older brothers. He was last in line. He was the runt of the litter. And he said, I'm going to anoint a king because I'm going to depose Saul because his heart is no longer after me. It's after what he wants to do. And Saul and King and Samuel, the prophet, went down the line, down the line. One was handsome, one was ruddy, one was this, one was that. One was bright, one was, and everyone said, God said, no, it's not this one. He finally gets to Samuel. How many remember that? And God says, this is the one I want, the shepherd boy. I want to be king in Israel. His time is going to come. Your time is going to come. If you give yourself to the Lord and you have an anointing on your life, your time is going to come. But it might, it will probably require that you're on the backside of the desert serving and serving and allowing God to work. And what was happening? David the shepherd boy was anointed the future king and this is what he was doing. He would la later write, a day, write that he, in this story rather, when they said, you, you, can't, you can't do that. You can't. And Saul tried to put his armor on him and David said, this doesn't fit. What he was doing was guarding the sheep against the bears and the lions and driving them off. Verse 36, he said, Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, since he has taunted the armies of the living God. David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, 
he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul, the man, the wimpy king, said to David, Go and may the Lord be with you. I just see it right now. How about you? There's this guy, 16 or 17 years old. He said, the Lord who's enabled me to defend the sheep against the bear and the lion. He said, in fact, I grabbed it under the throat and I killed it with my whole hand. The God who empowered me to do that, He will enable me to overcome this nine foot six giant today. And the leadership said, oh, okay, God, go with you. We'll be praying for you. Right. Our future church is as strong as the faithfulness to God in all generations. You and I don't determine the faithfulness of God. God is faithful. Can someone say praise God? To all generations. To the thousandth generation. Today doesn't scare God. He is in control if we work with Him and if we have faith to act. I, I am saying today, don't hold back. Don't hold back. What's at stake? Verse 45 and 47. So David goes out. David said to the Goliath, You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. How many, that's whose side I want to be on. That's the, that's the world I want to be in right there. The Bible said that he went over. They tried to put armor on him. David said, this doesn't fit. He went over to a brook. All he had was a sling, and he picked out five stones. Every one of us has something that we can give and use for God. How many? Under, every one of us. Everyone from the youngest to the oldest. A round pebble, when God is in control, is greater than giants, swords, spears. Verse 47, he said, he said, verse 46, this day the Lord will deliver you up into my hands and I'll strike you down and remove your head from you. That's pretty bold. I'll give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky, the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth, that all the... Why? 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 Because so that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel or a God in heaven. Can someone say praise God? that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into our hands. And I can see Goliath now. 
this nine foot six, 500 pound behemoth looking at this young 16, 17 year old that might have weighed 160 pounds, throwing, better, throwing back his head and just roaring with laughter and say, oh, you got a slingshot? Go ahead and try. Take aim, buddy. See what you can do. You're so weak that it's going to bounce off my head like a BB. They didn't have BBs back then, but. And David said, you come to me with sword and spear, but I come to you in the name of the living God, the Lord of hosts. And I can see him now with that stone, just one stone, that sling, he started slinging it, slinging it, slinging it, slinging it, sl building up momentum, building up power, and he let that thing go. And the Word of God records that it, it struck him in the head. It killed him. He fell to the ground. And David ran over, and just like he said, he took that sword, he cut off his head. It was pretty, you said, oh, Pastor, that's gruesome. I didn't know that was the Bible. Listen, there's a whole lot worse than that, but that's life. Life happens. And the army of the Philistines saw it and they fled. Can someone say praise God? And that day, all Israel knew there was a God in Israel. And all the earth knew that there was a God in heaven. Praise God. I'm going to ask the band to come right now. David prevailed with faith in his heart and what he had in his hands. A slingshot and a round stone. And the enemy fled as Goliath came tumbling down. Praise God. Church, it's time for you and I to act. Not hold back. There's an opportunity that we have today to give to expand God's kingdom and for us to enter God's world with our finances. I'm going to say this today. You cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God. No matter what you do, you cannot give out, outgive God. When we make a spiritual decision to give, we enter into God's world. How many understand that? We all understand that when we invest in retirement, we send it to a brokerage or an investor or we buy certain stocks, we place it in their world to do what we don't know what they're going to do with it. But when we give, we place into God's hands and we enter His world and His blessings. I want to share this because I, I, I sincerely hope that every person today, every family, every single person, and that includes high schoolers, everyone that's here today, I want, to, I want to ask you, but I want to challenge you to take a step of faith today. I don't get paid anymore for this. I don't get any more kudos for this. In fact, Chris and I are leading the way the board and myself and the staff so far their faith promise has come to $23,500 I'm not going to get a raise over this I don't know I, that's not what this is about we were Bible college students at Southeastern 
Bridal College. No, Southeastern Bible College. We got married our last year. If I had to do it all over again, I'd do it all over again. I, my goodness. Anyway, I'm not going to go there. You say, Pastor Paul, you don't understand what I'm going through. I understand what you're going through. I went to my first missions emphasis at chapel that I'd ever experienced in my life, and we're in the middle of the gas embargo. How many remember the gas embargo? You could only buy gas every other day, and some of the gas lines in Florida were two miles long. And you might get up there and say, we don't, we're out of gas today. And there was no work. No work. I was doing construction. Everything dried up. And my wife was working at Western Auto, and you were making $15. It was only one day a week that she could get work. We had rent to pay, food to eat, school bills to pay. Uh, I mean, you name it. You name it. I was in that missions chapel and I heard that call for missions and an opportunity to make a faith promise for missions to advance God's kingdom and God spoke to me and what He said, I want you to give $7. That was half of our income for the week. Minimum wage was like two bucks back then. That's what you were making, Western Auto. And then I said, God, I'm so moved, I'm going to give $20 a week. And he said, no, I asked you to do seven. And I put down $7 a week. And I, I, I knew that I'd have to go home and I'd have to explain it to my wife. You see, we hadn't had much to eat for the prior two weeks except grits and grapefruit. I don't care how much you like grits and how much you like grapefruit. It's a mighty boring diet. God spoke to my heart. This is what faith promises are about. Lord, what do you want me to do in faith? Not whether I have Saul's armor all lined up, but what do you want me to do in faith as you enable? I walked out of that chapel. I felt so good. But I walked out of that chapel to go to my empty car to drive back home, no work, low on gas, no money for rent. Rent was $60 a month. I mean, oh, that's four days of work right there. And if we could pay our rent, which we couldn't pay, I painted for it. Remember that? I went to go out of the chapel and I ran into a guy that I knew and he said, Paul, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm okay. You know, it's just a great service. I said, what are you doing? He said, well, we're working. We're painting. He said, you, you can paint? And I said, yeah, I can paint. He said, we got a job for you. How, how many know God provides? Listen, I went to work that very next day. I worked every day except Sundays. I'm not cracking down on anyone. If your job requires that you have to work Sunday, I'm not saying that, but that was a sacred day. We worked every day until the day I was working, the day I moved. I had started my own business in Lakeland, Florida. The, the oldest paint store offered to me to stay and give me all the wealthy accounts of all the mansions of the rich people in all the lakes in Florida. 
And this is what I was making. Remember I said my wife was bringing home $14. I got to a place where I was charging $14 an hour as a kid in college. That's worth about 80 bucks an hour today. How many kids in college would like to earn 80 bucks an hour? Yeah, okay, yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. It's the faithfulness of God. But there's one other thing, how God provides. I, I went home and I said, babe, would you check the mail? She said, no. Well, there's no use. Uh, I love married life. I said, well, just check. She said, well, it comes at 2.30 and it's 4.30 now and there's the mail, it's, not, it's nothing there. And I said, well, well, all right. You and I looked down the long steps and down on that ledge, there's a letter. There's a letter. And I don't know if it's from my folks or from someone. I don't know who it's from. But it had like five bucks in it. How many know $5 is a lot when you're making $14? And I said, babe, go to Piggly Wiggly or Cash and Carry and you buy the biggest chicken that you can find. We're going to have something between, besides get, grits and grapefruit. And it doesn't look, I really suffered after all, does it? That's the faithfulness of God. So what I'm going to ask you to do, I want everyone to take a faith promise card. I'm going to ask you to take a faith promise card. Now, you, it's on your seat. I'd like every age, because listen, my deepest desire for all of us is that we grow in the Lord and for those that are younger, that are sort of, you're at this place or you're out from underneath your parents now or your home, but you know what you know what you want to do and where you're being home, you're grateful for it, but you're just, you're glad that you've got laundry and some money and a clean bed. But you can hardly wait to be on your own. But I want you to take that right here. Looks like this. And then there's a thing you can tear off. Or... Or you can go, if you're online, if you're online, yes. Now, if you don't have one or you want one, just raise your hand and, and the usher will get one to you. Or you can go online to graceofbelair.com, .com, not .org. You can go there or you can use this, if you have your cell phone, you can use the QR code and it'll take you right there and the Faith Promise card is online. You can fill it out right now fill it out some of the things that are happening we support 58 some missionaries at about $75,000 a year plus all the other things that we're doing you've been so good and so faithful in that we want to keep that up we want to continue to add missionaries locally globally we're in countries that there are there are people in the live dead movement they're in absolutely forbidden countries where the gospel cannot be proclaimed to be a Christian means death and they're serving there. Missionaries. Can someone say thank God? Yes. Locally, Pastor Troy Short, um, that church was down to about 11 adults. We decided we're going to support him. He sent a thing to me just recently. He said, Pastor Paul, I want to thank you for two years you supported me. He said it meant I didn't have to focus on work. He said we had 11 people and their offerings, their offerings were, uh, what's 12 into 40,000? About, about 35, 3,400 a month. 
Guess what their last offering was? $12,500. Can someone say praise God? They're not, they've gone from 11 average to now 41 average. People being saved, baptized in the Spirit, families coming home together, families being set free and delivered. That's because you, Grace, you stepped up and we thank God for it. So what I'd like you to do, just take a moment right now and ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? Chris and I have talked and I, now believe it or not, it's been since 2016, this is our first missions emphasis. We've had one every year. We've been focused on a gen now. We looked at our pledge that we made back then and God has blessed us. We're, I just tell you, just the way it is. God has blessed us. We're living in a time of blessing. Chris and myself are. But I feel I want to more than do my part. And so we've talked about it. We're increasing our pledge, and that's what we're doing. And I want to ask you, if you just take a moment, would you, on this card or online, but it's up, just check either weekly, and weekly is, we find it's easier to give weekly than monthly. And then you put the amount you believe God wants you to do and then put your name and address and your signature online they'll ask for your email if you're comfortable with that or your or a cell phone a number they can reach you and I'm going to pray right now and um, would you pray and bow your heads with me Heavenly Father we now put this you gave Lord now you've put into our hands the opportunity to give. I pray your, pray your blessings. I pray for those that this is their first time, Lord, um, that there will be such a joy that they discover, Lord, a satisfaction of saying, yes, Lord, yes, yes. Uh, Lord, uh, for some, this step of faith will be much bigger than what they are. But Lord, as we offer this to you, we step into your world. And I'm so excited to hear the testimonies of what God will do in our lives and what God will give through us. God always gives more through us, more through us, and then multiplies that than we could ever get for ourselves. We thank you. It's in Jesus' strong name I pray. Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord.